Welcome, welcome, welcome back once again, my fine fellow friends and family. This is um, Tuesday, March 15th. This is the Alcassi Ottawa Valley's number one football and fighting podcast, self-proclaimed. But hey, we live up to expectations here. Last week we did pretty damn good with the fight picks. If you followed what I was saying, you won some shmoney, because I know I did. I went seven for seven on my UFC parlay last week, baby boy. And I also picked Lee Wood to win by knockout in his boxing match against Michael Conlon. So I'm doing quite well for myself this week. And you know we're going to keep the heat rolling. I'm going to give you my big-time UFC picks and predictions for UFC London going down this Saturday. Uh, the main event being Tom Aspinall versus Alexander Volkov. And, of course, we're going to start off the show, as always, talking a little NFL football, and we'll talk about some boxing as well. As I mentioned that we had that big matchup between Lee Wood and Michael Conlon on the weekend, and I'm sure there's some other news and goings-on in the world of boxing as well. But let's start off the show because the NFL offseason is cooking right along at the minute between uh, you know big signings, players getting released, all kinds of rumors in the NFL rumor mill including the Atlanta Falcons and Cleveland Browns joining the uh, signing discussions for Deshaun Watson, who's clear to play next season after all his criminal charges have been uh, dropped or settled out of court. Whatever happened there, Deshaun Watson will, uh, looking like he's a strong contender to be in the NFL next season. Obviously, some team names have gotten thrown out there already, like the Pittsburgh Steelers, who will obviously be looking for a quarterback after Longtime quarterback Ben Roethlisberger just retired at the end of last season. Uh, all kinds of teams looking for a quarterback right now. And the Falcons and Browns trying to get up in there as well. Obviously, Browns having some issues with uh, Baker Mayfield and him having some uh, reoccurring shoulder injuries and just kind of not living up to expectations, I think is fair to say, is like a number one draft pick. Uh, Browns kind of always messing up their quarterback draft picks. I don't know what's going on in their front office. They did get a little better in the last decade or so, or more like last five years. But, yeah, still obviously looking for the right fit at quarterback. And the AFC North is getting tough as ever, so they're going to need to bolster their lineup as much as possible to be in playoff contention. And the Atlanta Falcons was an interesting team name thrown out there because... Obviously, they've had a long-time quarterback in Matt Ryan, so even that the potential that they'll move on from him, I'm sure he could get picked up elsewhere unless he decides to retire as well or pull a Tom Brady, retire, then unretire. Interesting to see what happens with that situation. Randy Gregory, who is a defensive lineman on the Cowboys, he's agreed to... Uh, Agrees with Cowboys and then changes his mind and signs with Broncos. That's a pretty wild story. A little bit of a flip-flop there. I wonder how those contract negotiations went. Obviously, probably leave a bad taste in the mouth of the Cowboys management, but Broncos very happy. Seems like they're really bolstering their roster for a run next year with uh, acquiring Russell Wilson and now uh, Randy Gregory, who will be a nice replacement for Shelby Harris, who they lost in that deal for Russell Wilson. They obviously had to bolster that defensive line, and a guy like Randy Gregory is a 
good fit for the Broncos, I think. Dun, dun, dun. Other NFL news. The Bears are rumored to be up for sale soon. That's an interesting storyline. Maybe Aaron Rodgers should buy them. Obviously, he's already said last season that he owns them. So, who knows? Gary V could buy them. He wanted to buy the Jets. But, hey, maybe if the Jets aren't going to be for sale anytime soon, he could buy the Bears. Colts are kind of dipping their toes in the water of free agency but haven't made any big signing yet. Uh, to the derision of Pat McAfee with all these big names getting scooped up recently and players signing to teams and obviously teams around the Colts and their division getting better. Seems like they should be making some moves. I've said that about my Ravens as well. I'd like to see us uh, make some moves, even though I heard that we picked up a half-decent corner today. I'll see if I can find the headline for that. Mitch Trubisky signed a two-year deal with the Pittsburgh Steelers, so I guess they are out of the uh, Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. He could potentially be a quarterback one, obviously starting off his career kind of unsuccessfully with the was it the Bears he got signed with early on and then got traded to be backup for the Buffalo Bills. And, yeah, Mitch Trubisky potentially being a starting quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers next year. That's a... Big news for my AFC North. Good to know for, uh, obviously, we got to put him under some heat next year. My Ravens got to get up, Mitch Trubisky. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, let's go over to some other headlines here in the NFL. We're going to move right along. Just a moment. Yes, here we go. The Jaguars aren't done yet. They're expected to sign former Arizona Cardinals wide receiver Christian Kirk to a large deal says Ian Rappaport on Twitter. So Jaguars getting stronger in the wide receiving core. Okay, here's the big Ravens news. Jesus Christ, that's a huge deal. I'm not even that aware of who this guy was. Ravens signed safety Marcus Williams to a five-year, $70 million deal. What? <laughs> I don't know who this guy is, and we just gave him the big bag. What the hell? What are people saying about this? Is this good or is this bad? It seems like a lot of money. It's not the signing I was expecting. Someone says W. Someone says overpay. Someone says ratio. Someone says best team in football. A lot of people are saying overpay. And people saying that they wanted Tyron Matthew. That's not a good initial reaction. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. You give a safety 70 mil? He had a 90.6 grade since 2019, highest among safeties. Um, pro Fantasy Football's number eight free agent, number one free agent safety. So, I don't know. Someone says it's over. Ravens are the 2023 Super Bowl champs. The Bungles are in shambles. The Bills are shaking. And Machoke is shivering. I'm not even sure, bro. That's a crazy-ass deal, bro. I have no idea what to think about that, bro. No idea. That's crazy. Anyways. Whew. Patriots are trading guard Shaq Mason to the Buccaneers. Oh, that'll be good. Tom Brady coming back, getting a former offensive lineman who Brady's probably familiar with. 
and uh, needing to bolster their offensive line. They had some trouble protecting him when it come to playing some of the best defensive lines in the league next year, or last year rather, so that was probably a priority of Tom if he was coming back for them to bolster their offensive line a little bit. <laughs> yeah, that Randy Gregory story is pretty wild because I guess there was a tweet put out by the Cowboys saying that Randy Gregory 4 is staying in Dallas. The defensive end has agreed to terms on a new five-year contract with the Dallas Cowboys on their official Twitter account. And then the Broncos <laughs> tweeted out Stephen Colbert gift saying, surprise, when he ended up coming over there instead. That's a pretty funny troll job from the Denver Broncos and their front office and their Twitter team. Big fan of the uh, the pettiness on NFL's teams on social media. The Detroit Lions have signed DJ Chark, former wide receiver of the Jaguars, to a one-year $10 million deal. So that's a bit interesting because obviously the Jags just picked up... Uh, what did I say there? They signed some other wide receiver anyways, and they let go Chark. So a bit of a switch up there on at wide receiver. The Titans release corner Janoris Jenkins. Falcons kicker Young Ho Koo agrees to a five-year, $24.25-million-dollar extension. Damn, he set the market for kickers, boy. So what does that work out to be a year? Like five mil a year, basically, for a kicker? That's pretty damn good. My boy kicking them field goals. You just got to be consistent, especially as a kicker. You got to be clutch. Too many kickers last year were missing, like, point-after attempts from where they kicked those from, like, the 20-yard line, 25-yard line. Like, that should be money in the bag. So if you can get a consistent kicker, you should pay him. A lot of games are won by a field goal, let me tell you. The Falcons have emerged as a sleeper team to acquire Texans quarterback Deshaun Watson, says league sources. The Falcons join the Panthers, Saints, and Browns as teams that have met with and or are interested in trading for Watson. Yeah, interesting news on that quarterback front. The Chargers signed cornerback uh, J.C. Jackson, former New England Patriot, a lot of people had him as the top corner on the on the market in free agency last year. Obviously, the Los Angeles Chargers really making moves to bolster their lineup next year as well. They obviously got Khalil Mack in that big deal um, from, the, from the Bears. So they're going to have Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack on the defensive line and now the best corner in the league in, at corner. So... Their uh their defense is going to be a scary one to go up against next year. They obviously got a lot of good pieces on offense, and now they've kind of um, almost equaled out to the point where their defense is just as good as their offense. So it might be a good time to put an early bet on the Chargers for the Super Bowl next year where the odds are still half decent. Buccaneers expected to sign wide receiver Russell Gage, formerly of the Atlanta Falcons. Interesting move. Dun, dun, dun. Scroll down here. We cover quite a bit of NFL news here. Oh, Dolphins uh, agree to a one-year deal with Teddy Bridgewater. That's interesting considering they got a new offensive coordinator. And I heard him in an interview saying he was stoked to work with Tua and uh, move him along. So 
that quarterback room is pretty interesting now. Obviously, Teddy Bridgewater could be a backup, but he could definitely compete for that number one position for the Dolphins. Uh, Tua has had injury problems in the past, so who knows? He, he's a good option for the Dolphins to get anyways. I just I didn't expect him to be going to the Dolphins. He had a pretty decent season last year with the Broncos. Uh, Devontae Adams told the Packers he won't play on the franchise tag this coming season, so they're obviously going to have to work out a deal with him or figure out what the hell's going on there. Uh, the Chiefs signed safety Justin Reed to a three-year, $31.5 million deal. Whew. All kinds of money going around in the NFL right now. I wonder where Saquon Barkley is going to end up. Obviously, he's been talked about in some trade talks before the draft is this year as well. And I'd really like to see him get to be on a team that actually has a playoff chance than stick around with the Giants for another year. The Browns released uh, wide receiver Jarvis Landry, so he'll be available in free agency. That happened, obviously, after they signed Amari Cooper at wide receiver. So a couple wide receiver shake-ups shake going on over there. Cowboys and Demarcus Lawrence agree to a three-year, $30 million deal. Uh, good they're keeping some of their D-line together and not letting the Broncos poach too many more guys. The Aaron Rodgers contract extension is set to earn him $42 million in 2022, $59.5 million in 2023, and $49.3 million in 2024. This gets him to a three-year $150 million mark, and the first two years are fully guaranteed at signing. Jesus Christ, Aaron. <laughs> He's making the big bag, boy. Aaron Rodgers, that triple B, that big bag boy, son. Aaron, how about you break your boy off with a milli over here, bro? I could use it, my guy. Please, Aaron. I will do unspeakable things for that milli. Don't tell anyone. I'm a total sellout. I will do terrible things for a million dollars, Aaron. Please. <laughs> God damn. Okay, we're we're going too long in the NFL news. There's a lot more uh, free agent shit going on than I thought, and I probably didn't even cover it all. Maybe we'll do another bonus episode talking NFL shit that I uh, that I missed. But let's get over to the world of boxing, shall we? Obviously, we had that big matchup between Lee Wood, and Michael Conlon, on the weekend. Uh, Lee Wood getting a twelfth round knockout. Winning me my bet on that as I had him to win by a stoppage, albeit very late in the fight. He uh, had a scary knockout over Michael Conlon, landing some devastating shots on him towards the uh, the last three rounds particular. He was really switching gears, and you could tell he was uh, picking up the pace, and Conlon was starting to lose a bit of steam. And then it almost seemed like Conlon was so exhausted in the last round, and Wood just backed him up to the ropes, hit him with a, a clean right hand, and then followed up with a combo as Conlon was falling and knocked him right through the ropes down to the ground beside the ring. And many people being uh, concerned for Michael Conlon, he's fine now. We saw some good footage of him the next day, and it seemed like he was in much better spirits and relatively healthy for a guy who just got knocked out. But uh, excited to see many people saying that was fight of the year and calling for a rematch. But 
uh, after a devastating fight like that, I wouldn't be surprised if both guys kind of want to move on to uh, bigger things or different things and maybe see each other sometime else down the road. But for an immediate rematch, there there's going to be some demand for it anyways. But uh, interesting to see what happens next for both guys. James Tony Blast Coward Randy Couture saying he didn't honor his boxing deal after UFC 118. I guess the deal was for them to have one fight in the UFC and then one fight in boxing. And James Tony wanted to box him, but Randy never got in the ring with him. But there's probably all kinds of other contract shit around that as well. So obviously Tony got low ankle picked very early in that fight and ground and pounded out very quickly. So I'm not surprised that he feels a type of way about it. Uh, Canelo Alvarez versus Dimitri Bivol is going to be a big light heavyweight super fight coming up. Uh, some people think Bivol is unpredictable and it'll cause Canelo some problems. I don't know about that. Obviously, Canelo's already got a pretty good win at light heavyweight against a, albeit kind of aging, Sergey Kovalev, but uh, I don't see Bivol giving him too many problems. Uh, Jerron Ennis agrees to a multi-fight deal with Showtime. He's going to face Canadian Custio Clayton on May 14th. That should be a good little scrap there. I like Custio Clayton. He hasn't been in the ring in a hot minute, though, so it's going to be a hard uh, comeback fight for him. Showtime announces their boxing schedule includes uh, Errol Spence versus your Dennis Ugas. Big welterweight super fight going on there. Javonta Tank Davis back in action and the Charlo brothers. So excited to see all those guys get back uh, boxing more consistently on the American side. I think the UK has done a good job recently of kind of overtaking the the American boxing scene and becoming much more popular as they were ma they managed to stay and keep their fighters way more active during the uh, pandemic and whatnot and lockdowns and and especially matchroom boxing, got to give a big shout out to Eddie Hearn to be able to keep his uh, roster of fighters and other fighters uh, pretty active during a, a, a time where it was hard to put on big events. So shout out Eddie Hearn. Joe Joyce and Anthony Joshua have been going back and forth on social media, uh, potentially hyping up a heavyweight matchup between them. Obviously, Joe Joyce has earned himself a number one contender spot in the division recently with going on a pretty successful run, including a few stoppages against top contenders at heavyweight and Anthony Joshua's rematch with Alexander Usyk kind of being up in the air at the moment, obviously with all that uh, terrible shit going down in the Ukraine, Alexander Usyk has more on his mind than a heavyweight championship fight than uh, his rematch with Joshua. So maybe we'll see Joshua get in the ring before that rematch happens at some point in the next few months. I think that rematch was slated to happen in April or May. So interesting to see what happens there. We'll keep you up to date on that heavyweight situation in boxing. Paige Van Zandt discusses her uh, bare knuckle boxing future after she signed with pro wrestling organization AEW, which I think is uh, something extreme wrestling. I don't know. But I think she might be done with the bare knuckle, which is, uh, I think, a good move for her to go to wrestling. 
And Canelo on the Golovkin trilogy. Yeah, it's personal. He talks a lot of shit, says a lot of things. So he's obviously looking pretty far down the road. Canelo liking to plan his fights kind of two or three at a time. So I think the deal is for him is to have this light heavyweight fight with Bivol. Then uh, the Golovkin trilogy. And then one more fight at light heavyweight to become uh, the two-weight unified champion. And then even that potential move up to cruiserweight against Makabu has been spoken up as well. So maybe Canelo could potentially become a three-weight world champion. I mean, I'm not going to put anything past Canelo right now. He's uh, he's the best pound-for-pound fighter in boxing. So if anyone can do it, he can. Okay, should we cover any more boxing or just jump over to the world of the UFC and see if there's any more boxing headlines here? Apologies, folks. I just got to pull it up. Yes, uh, Sonny Edwards calling out for another world title shot, trying to get in the ring with, I guess, someone in Eddie Hearn's stable. Obviously, they got to kind of cross promotions there. Uh, <laughs> kind of a, a freak boxing fight here between two former world's strongest men champions. Half the Orbjörnson and Eddie Hall are set to fight in Dubai coming up. So they have a nice little uh, face-to-face interview here on IFL TV. I'll probably watch later because there's some serious bad blood between them. I don't know how much of it is a hype job, them trying to sell this fight, but it's a... Uh, it's interesting matchup anyways, and I think half the year has got it from the boxing footage I've seen from him, but who knows, Eddie Hall's from, he's a different breed as well, so if either of those guys land one clean shot on the other guy on the head, it could be lights out. you got to worry about the amount of power they could both generate too, like Eddie Hall's like injured himself just from how hard he can punch, tearing his bicep and shit. Yeah, I think that's enough boxing talk anyways. Let's jump over to the world of the UFC because we got to run through last week's card pretty quick and then I'll give you my picks and predictions for this coming week. So obviously last week's main event was Ankalaev versus Tiago Santos at light heavyweight. A lot of people saying Ankalaev winning himself a title shot at light heavyweight with his performance against Tiago Santos. Going all five rounds, getting a decision and a pretty... Uh, lackluster performance but doing enough to get the win anyways and uh, hard to do against a veteran like Tiago Santos got over 30 fights but Ankalaev improving to 17 and 1 but maybe Paul Craig this weekend could throw a wrench in the works there if he comes through with a win he could might be able to rematch him and fight Ankalaev in a kind of number one contender fight uh, then Song Yudong beat Marlon Moraes first round stoppage. Uh, many people saying Marlon Moraes should hang up the gloves at this point. I think he's been stopped in his last four fights. His chin is kind of starting to show the effects of a long career in mixed martial arts. And yeah, I'm kind of uh, agreeing with them in that sense. Song Yudong looking very impressive. Sadiq Yusuf won a decision against Alex Bruce Leroy Caceres. Back and forth, mostly striking matchup. Khalil Roundtree uh, got a quick second round stoppage over Carl Robertson. A little bit of an upset win there. Khalil Roundtree 
slowly becoming a fan favorite at light heavyweight. Uh, had some nice things to say in his post-fight interview and his press conference interview after the fight. Drew, Drew, Drew Dober had a first-round stoppage over uh, Terrence McKinney. Alex Perea won a three-round unanimous decision over Bruno Silva. And look at the preliminary card here. Yeah, Matthew Semisberger picked up a win. J.J. Aldrich picked up a win at women's flyweight. Javid Basharat improved to 12-0 in a three-round de decision over Trevin Jones. And Damon Jackson pulled up a second-round submission win. Uh, Miranda Maverick picked up a win. Cody Brundage, Guido Canetti, and Azmat Mraznikov all picked up wins. All right, let's quickly look here at this coming weekend's fights. We got a great card at UFC London. Uh, heavyweight main event between Tom Aspinall, 11-2, and two versus uh, longtime UFC and heavyweight veteran Alexander Volkov, who's 34-9. and nine. So obviously stands out there as a huge difference in experience. Alexander Volkov obviously having uh, three times the amount of fights as... Tom Aspinall also has a few centimeters on him in height, uh, weighs more than him probably, and has about five centimeters of reach, which I actually thought would be more considering how tall he is, but I'm still edging Tom Aspinall on that one. He's probably the hottest heavyweight prospect in MMA right now. Who knows where Alexander Volkov's headspace is going to be. Obviously a lot going on in the background in his country. But I think Tom Aspinall stays focused and gets it done. Just puts on a bit of a boxing clinic. Probably catches him in the first round with a punch. And then follows it up if it's not a one-hitter quitter. That's a lot of the time with Tom, it just he hits him with a, a right hand. And then there's some ground and pound. And it's done pretty quick a lot of the time with him. I think he's got all stoppages in the UFC so far. And we got Dan Hooker returning to featherweight against Arnold Allen, who hasn't been that busy as of late, but still has a 17-1 record. Dan Hooker is 21-11, who is very active. Uh, that's the big difference I noted between those two guys is the activity level. But Arnold Allen, no joke, good record against good opponents, uh, trained at a good gym in TriStar, hasn't been able to train there for this camp, but... Uh, I still think has a good camp where he's at and is a professional. So uh, that one was a toss-up for me. I left it off the parlay, so I don't think I'll give you guys a pick because I want to see how Dan Hooker looks at the weight before I go to pick him. And just Arnold Allen's activity level hasn't allowed me to pick him either. But if you made me pick, I would probably say Arnold Allen, mostly because I'm concerned about Dan Hooker's weight cut and getting down to featherweight and how it looked there. And obviously, he's been in some wars in the past. And generally, when you have a hard weight cut, it can affect your punch resistance and doesn't help your ability to take shots. So I would probably give a lean towards Arnold Allen in that one. And then we got a lightweight matchup between hot prospect Patty the Batty Pimblet versus Rodrigo Vargas. Uh, Patty Pimblett, obviously a two-weight cage warriors, world champ, 17-3, and three, 
won his debut fight impressively at the US, UFC Apex, going against Rodrigo Vargas, who's 12-4. and four. He'll be trying to spoil the show, but Patty Pimblett, a pretty heavy favorite on that card. So, yeah, I'm giving uh, the edge to Patty and to win by a stoppage. Either in the first or second round, I think he'll come out flying. Hopefully he doesn't get caught getting overexcited, but I'm giving him the edge. Then Gunnar Nelson, who used to train at Conor McGregor's gym, I'm not sure if he still does or not, will be taking on uh, Takashi Sato from Japan, uh, welterweight. Gunnar Nelson, 17-5-1, who's a bit of a submission expert, going against Takashi Sato, who I'm not exactly familiar with or what his style is. But uh, both guys, similar age, very similar height, very similar weight, and very similar reach. So it's kind of a, a pick em fight there. I'd leave it up to you guys to pick that one. I'm not picking a winner. Molly McCann, the meatball going up against Luana Carolina. So 11-4 Molly McCann, who had an impressive win against Kim on that same UFC Apex card as Patty. I think Tom fought on that card as well. Uh, always similar similar height between the, the two women. Uh, Carolina having a few centimeters of height on her. Obviously a big difference in reach. Molly McCann kind of having... T-Rex arms at 157.5 centimeters. And against uh, Carolina, who's got 175 centimeters of reach, which is a little scary, as I did Edge McCann fighting in her backyard, but when I saw that uh, 15 centimeters of reach or more, more like 18 centimeters of reach, it's a little scary, but McCann's kind of used to that. I imagine just about everyone she fights has a reach advantage on her, so interesting to see, but I'm edging McCann the meatball then to uh, end out the main card we got Ilya Taporia versus Jai Herbert uh, hot prospect in Taporia he's 25 years old undefeated 11 and 0 175 centimeter reach so he doesn't have a huge reach but he's got a lot of power in his punches and he swings for the fences so this one could be over relatively early as both guys are kind of uh, punchers and prefer the stand-up game Herbert having a significant amount of reach on him, though. 20-centimeter reach advantage and uh, significantly taller as well. So, interesting to see what happens there. But Taporia is a heavy favorite in that one as well. So, if you're going to pick it, I'd pick him. But I left it off the parlay as both guys are bangers. And I don't have the stomach to pick that one. <clears throat> to round out the preliminary card, we got uh, hometown boy Mike Grundy against... Uh, the the Brit killer Maquin Amirakani, who's had a lot of success against English fighters. Uh, both guys relatively inactive lately, so I left that one off the parlay as well. But I might give the hometown advantage to Mike Grundy. And then we got another prospect against a veteran, Sergei Pavlovich, who is 14-1, going up against Shabmil Abdur... Abdur I'm going to butcher this name. Abdurakimov? Abdurakimov. So, big uh, difference in age between the two. Pavlovich, 29 years old. Abdurakhmanov, who is 40. And uh, Sergei Pavlovich having about a 20-centimeter reach advantage, being much younger. And, yeah, it seems like uh, setting up Pavlovich for a good win at heavyweight there. He's a pretty exciting pro prospect. Light heavyweight matchup between Paul Craig and Nikita Krylov. 
Obviously, Craig having a pretty successful run at light heavyweight recently with some impressive wins against the likes of uh, Ankalaev and Jamal Hill. And Krylov, the Ukrainian light heavyweight who's got a bit of a karate style, good striker, has some submission wins as well, but not nearly as many as Paul Craig, I believe. And that should be a good fight there. Interesting stylistic matchups, but I'm going with the underdog in that fight and edging Paul Craig as he's done pretty good work for me in the past on some of my parlays. Another Welshman on the card, Jack Shore, going up against Temur Valuev. Uh, both guys kind of got a bit of a grappling pedigree. Valuev, uh, 18 and 2, trains out of Jackson Wink, but fighting out of Russia. And Jack Shore being another hot prospect from the UK. He's had success on the Cage Warriors cards as well. He has a 10 centimeter reach advantage, but I can see that one becoming a bit of a grappling contest. And I'm edging the underdog in Jack Shore. Another Welsh fighter, Corey McKenna, will be fighting American Elise Reed. Uh, Corey McKenna, 6 and 1. Elise Reed, 4 and 1 at women's straw weight. And I don't know. That's a, uh, that's another one I'd leave off the parlay if I were you guys, but maybe give the nod to McKenna as she's fighting more towards her backyard. Nathaniel Wood, who is another Cage Warriors champ, 17-5, and five, going up against relatively late replacement Vince Morales. Uh, Nathaniel Wood is 28, a uh, little shorter than Vince Morales, and the reach is basically the same. Morales had a pretty impressive finish, though, in his last fight where he uh, knocked the guy out with a hook. When they were coming out of the clinch, shows a bit of uh, just ring craft from him, I suppose. And then a very hot prospect from the UK at flyweight, men's flyweight, Muhammad Makayev will be going against American Cody Durden. Uh, Makayev, who's 21 and 21 years old, very young, but uh, his reach isn't listed, but him having a very good amateur pedigree, uh, training out of good gyms, and having a lot of uh, people talking about him and rumblings of him being a potential future flyweight champion. So Makayev will be a good one to watch, uh, going up against a guy with twice as much pro fights as him, but Makayev having apparently like 20 amateur fights and being undefeated in the amateur scene as well, so interesting to see what happens there, but I'm edging Makayev. So that covers the whole UFC fight night, Volkov Aspinall, talked some boxing, talked all kinds of NFL. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Uh, rate five stars where you can, subscribe to the podcast for weekly episodes talking about boxing, UFC, football, and a little bit of this, a little bit of that, sugar and spice and everything nice. Until next time, as always, appreciate y'all for listening. Peace.